have on the show. Wake up and let's go to the Mindless Morning Show. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Mindless Morning Show. I'm here with my co-host, as always, Dakota. Hey, everyone. We have a very special guest. He is a author, a poet, and even more importantly, a zombie wrangler. There you go. Matt, Matt, Matt Betts, how, how you doing? I'm doing really well, thanks. Awesome. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I try and keep my zombie wrangling license current just in case, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't want to be an amateur out there and then the apocalypse break out and try and stop it. You just, you gotta, you gotta really know what you're doing. Yeah, that's smart. So, I, I mean, I need to get on top of that. Yeah. How, <laughs> how long have you been a zombie wrangler? <laughs> well, I went to medical school for a while and decided that wasn't my thing. And, you know, so I, uh, I, I started you know, taking some online classes from a, a university that I'm sure is, is you know, fully accredited. Uh, you know. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I, it's, 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 it's been a thing I, I, I've had on my site for a while and just, you know, it was really, uh, it kind of came out of, uh, one day out of the blue, I found out that I was, uh, my name was in the New York times of all things and couldn't figure out why I assumed it was another Matt Betts. Cause a lot of them pop up in, in like, you know, news feeds and stuff. And so I, I looked it all up and this guy somewhere, you know, way back when the walking dead started on uh, AMC, mm -hmm. uh, somebody at the New York times did a story on zombie poetry and he quoted a, several lines from one of my poems. And I'm like, I have no idea how the guy found that. I mean, it was in a, it was in an anthology. So I assumed he found it online somewhere, but it was like so random that he just picked a few lines of the zombie poem of mine. And uh, just as a joke, we put that up on my website and it's kind of stuck, you know, that's, that's awesome though. I mean, but yeah, to be able to say cool. you're in the New York times is great. <laughs> right? but to be able yeah. to say you're in it for zombie poetry is even, even better. You yeah, know? I should yeah, have a t-shirt made. You should. That's awesome. I was gonna say you, right. you definitely should have a t-shirt. Yeah, you gotta have like a uh, a core squad and like a name for it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, zombie wrangling. You gotta, you know, it's like the uh, not the Avengers and not the Justice League. There's got to be some sort of you the, the Bets beaters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we gotta work on that one. I'm not sure yeah. if I wear that shirt. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I like the idea. Yeah, because you know when you have an author, you like to have sort of a street team to get out there and get your name out there, and you know they they you know, help help you get uh, reviews and they help you uh, you know just get your new book out there. There, they should have, you know, instead of just a street team, they should have that name, the the Rang the, the Wranglerettes or something. I don't know, something along that <laughs> I <lines>. like it, <laughs> I, dude. I would invest in it. I, I think right. that, that's good entertainment right there. At least, at least get the domain name for it. I think. Right there, you go. <laughs> um, so yeah, tell us a, a little bit about yourself and uh, where it all started from you before you got into poetry or writing. Well, I, I grew up in Ohio. I grew up in a, in a, a pretty small town uh, in Lima. It's, uh, it's like two hours from everywhere else. You know, it's like uh, about two hours from Toledo, two hours from Cincinnati, almost two hours from Columbus and, and Fort Wayne, Indiana. And uh, there wasn't a lot to do back then uh, in, in, in said town. Um, so, you know, I love wa watching cartoons and I just, you know, I, I dug uh, a lot of the 70s and 80s cartoons and, and, I, and I like to write a little bit. Uh, wasn't terribly good at it in high school or uh, uh, but my mom, uh, every time someone mentions me when I started writing, she'll drag out this thing that I drew in like 
I don't know, eighth grade, seventh grade, whatever, uh, a comic book that I wrote and drew uh, that was basically a ripoff of Scooby-Doo. Uh, and she's very nice. proud that she still has this thing from, <laughs> you know, so many years ago. Right. Um, but yeah, my, my, my whole family, my dad, you know, my, my mom, my, my brother uh, and aunts and uncles and everybody were huge readers. And so, you know, the, my grandpa had like this big old leather uh, recliner and he had like, um, uh, paperback stacked up to almost the arm, you know, like two or three rows of them. So I, I remember that vividly as a little kid. And so, you know, reading came pretty natural. And then just the idea of telling my own stories, um, you know, I collected comic books and, uh, and I read mostly that until my dad was like, here's some actual novels. Let's take a look at these when I hit I don't know, sixth grade or something. And uh, I tried, you know, I wrote some in college, uh, but the, I went to Toledo and the professors that I ended up with at the time were not terrible fascinated with sci-fi and zombies and, and things like that and they'd rather see you know literature you know mm -hmm. real real literature and so it's pretty discouraging and i, I kind of stopped for a while and i when i moved to columbus you know many years later uh i i joined a writer's group i was just looking for people to hang out with people that you know were kind of into the same things i was and I kind of hung out there and we started trying a few things out. And I, I wrote a few things that I thought were sort of like bits of stories. And I was like, I, you know, I don't know what to do with them. And we had a couple of people who were, you know, had gone to, you know, gotten their MFAs in poetry or in literature or whatever. And they said, you know, these are really good, uh, you know, uh, short poems or, or prose poems that we're calling them. And I said, I have no idea what that is, but <laughs> I'm going to go with that. And uh, yeah, so I started going, going to, that's right. You know, hey, if somebody's got a name for it, but I'm doing it. Hey, we'll, we'll stay with it. And I went to a couple of conferences and started, you know, uh, meeting people that, that did uh, science fiction and horror poetry uh, and uh, one guy uh, in particular, Mike Arnzen, who's a, a horror poet, writes some really, really gross poetry and some really, you know, deep, disgusting stuff. But he's so much fun to watch and listen to. And he's so gleeful about what he's doing that, you know, kind of turned me on to trying this myself. And so most of mine's more sci-fi, like old school kind of horror, like, you know, the old Godzilla and the old King Kong and yeah. uh, vampires and Frankenstein. Uh, so they're not terribly gory, but I try and, you know, keep some humor injected into them because I just couldn't see myself doing like serious poetry. It felt, you know, weird coming from me. So to interject, you know, humor and horror into poetry was just so much fun for me. It's like, I didn't know I could do this. You know, I didn't know I could take something I loved and, and, and work it into poetry. So as I was kind of doing that, I was writing a novel and whenever I got stuck on the novel, I just wrote some poetry and I went back and forth until I finished the book. And uh, a friend of mine uh, was uh, an editor for a new line of uh, poetry that they were just starting or a new line, excuse me, of, of fiction. They were just starting uh, for this horror imprint, but they were going to do sci-fi. And she asked, you know, what, what was up with my novel? And uh, I gave it to her and, the, and their uh, their owner and their editors, and, and they liked it, and uh, it did well for them. And I got a, another contract from them for a few more books, and another contract from a different publisher. So, uh, about two uh, about uh, 2013 is when I, the first book came out. I've been publishing poetry since about 2005. Uh, so you know, so the last eight years, I've published about eight books uh, plus two poetry nice. poetry uh, collections on top of that. So. Oh, wow. It's just, yeah, it came from doing some fun stuff I liked, and it just sort of happened that people were liking what I was doing. That's, that's awesome. And you were going to college for communications, correct? Yeah, I went to college, uh, yeah, for communications. Originally, actually, for for broadcasting. I was uh, I, I got nice. I was in radio for a long time. Um, so I was in, you know, I'm I, I'm old enough that I was in college and doing radio when like. 
Nirvana and Pearl Jam and all these people were breaking. And literally in our college radio station, I I worked in the college radio station. um, We had like eight CDs. That was just as CDs were getting, you know, big. So we had just rows and rows of, of, of actual wax. We had albums, we had 45s, we had carts and tapes, but we were just starting to get CDs. And so uh, once I graduated, you know, that that's sort of the era I was in. Once I graduated, I went to work at oldies stations. I was, so I was playing like, the Beatles and I was playing, you know, so while my friends were, you know, out there doing the, the current stuff, I was out there doing, you know, Roy Orbison and, and the Shirelles and stuff. And I did that for a while. <laughs> and uh, then I moved my back to my hometown and I, I got to work at another oldie station there. So, you know, That's into cool. the, uh, the late nineties and into, you know, 2000, I was still doing, you know, Elvis and, and stuff like that. So, uh, but it was fun. I, you know, I love music. I love just all kinds of entertainment. So it's so much fun to just sort of be a pop culture junkie and get to do you know deal with pop culture oh yeah for sure i mean and old music is like some of the best music so oh, absolutely and it's also really fun to hear like something new that samples an old song you're like i know where that came from that's uh stevie wonder yeah. superstition or whatever in the background there that bass line comes from someplace and uh yeah no absolutely and you know it was, it was kind of the music i grew up on with uh, my parents loving elvis and and and, uh, and roy orbison and, and things like that it was i already knew it you know it wasn't like a, a learning curve for me to go back and, and learn it all i already knew it so yeah it was a good time awesome and so you use the broadcasting skills like you have uh, your own podcast as well right yeah, I just started uh, a few months ago. I started a podcast. Uh, it's called Something from Nothing. Uh, and basically, I get to talk to uh, creatives, uh, all kinds of creatives. So naturally, I talk to a lot of writers, but I've talked to some musicians. Uh, I talked to uh, some comedians and some some actors are coming up here pretty soon. Uh, and a, a few artists, you know, it was just uh, it was it was fun just to say I'm not going to talk to just my writer friends. I'm going to go talk to anybody that's been creative and find out how they got into that and how they work that and uh, you know what what gets them excited about what they do and what you know knocks them down. And you know, well, part of the podcast, like I said, we've only been doing it for a little while, is how these artists have coped with going through COVID. You know, with mm-hmm. not being able to go on stage, not being able to you know act on stage or, or take their music on stage or, you know, comedians or for me being a writer and for the writers I talk to, a lot of our, you know, what we do is going out to conferences and and meeting new readers or making deals with other publishers that are there or other, you know, editors to to work on what we're doing. Um, And I really come home from every conference just super jazzed about what I do and what other people may have talked about. And for, you know, two years or a year and a half or whatever to not do that is uh, a bummer for me. And I know it's it's terrible for other writers and, and certainly for their incomes as well. So, yeah, I love talking to them. And, and it, there's always a little segment where it's like, okay, how did you get through this? Or what's your, you know, your work from home job, you know? Yeah. Uh, my, I was thrilled. Uh, my, our first guests were uh, the mad scientists from uh, Mystery Science Theater. Um, uh, it's been a favorite, yeah, favorite show of mine forever. <laughs> and they, they actually came here uh, a couple of times. I've seen their show. And I, I didn't know if they remembered me or not. I just kind of reached out and said, you know, I'd love to interview you guys. And surprisingly, their manager got back to me and said, hey, yeah, they'll do it. So, um, Dude, so that gave us a real so boost cool. for that first episode. You know, people were like, oh, yeah, that was yeah. terrific. And, you know, <laughs> a lot of people I talked to are sort of local, but there's, you know, they're all over the country. But mm-hmm. to get those guys on was like so much fun to talk to and, and, and to talk 
talk with people afterwards about. For sure. That is, that's super cool. I'm just right? yeah. jealous. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's. Yeah, they're terrific that's, guys. That's one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, tell us about some of your books, because I mean, you you've got quite quite the list here. And, I'm working uh, on it. Yeah, um, some of them just sound so amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, right up, right up our I hope alley. everyone else thinks the same thing. But, uh, so, so the first book I, I wrote, I worked on forever because, you know, I, I didn't have formal training in writing novels. You know, I was I was working off of, you know, I was flying blind and, and using the internet and things like that, and and friends that I knew or that I'd met at conferences. So, really, I was working my day job nine to five and and uh, writing it during my lunch breaks and writing it at night. And uh, in fact, uh, as we were kind of finishing it up, uh, I think we, I think that was when I had uh, our first kid. And uh, so I was like, oh, I'm never going to have time again. <laughs> you know, I'm never going to have another minute of time to write. But uh, I found some, uh, you know, some here and there to finish it up. It's called uh, Oddman Out. And one of the things that, you know, for me as a writer that I love doing and thankfully, um, the people who read it and the people who have re- reviewed a lot of my work uh, kind of get it is that, I, you know, I love to mash up all kinds of genres. I love to take two things that probably shouldn't go together and see how to make them sort of work. And so Oddman Out was this weird, uh, started as a short story. And uh, every time I submitted it somewhere, they were like, we need more information. You know, this we need this world explored some more. So I took that short story and, and sort of built onto it and it became this novel. Um, and it's an adventure story. It's uh, it's a, it's got zombies in it, but I, I always swear it's not a zombie story because they're sort of the background. It it happens during the Civil War where people have uh, ha- had to call a truce between the North and South because of this outbreak of zombies, and they've got it mostly under control. And it's sort of in the background of the story. Well, so while you've got this sort of adventure story of uh, of these people going on, you you always got that a little bit in the back of your mind, and occasionally it creeps back in and, and becomes important. But it's not it's not the it's not a survival story where they're all holed up in a house together on the farm and uh, they, they're running out of ammunition and everything else. It's pretty sprawling up and down uh, the California coast, but mainly around this town called uh, Santa Rosa, which is an actual town of Santa Rosa, but I've sort of expanded it uh, for this sort of emergency where they've, they've, they've sort of banded it together in this town and it reaches further toward the, uh, toward the ocean. And so you've got these characters who uh, uh, the, the main characters kind of, kind of aimless. They're, 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 they, they run a sort of company that, gets people from one coast to the other with, without letting them get killed. And they sort of walk on these, uh, they sort of go from that that way in these huge mechanical, almost like uh, AT-ATs from uh, Star Wars, these, these huge, you know, uh, but they have a, they have a, they call them the turtles because they're so much slower. And uh, so they, the, all these people buy their ticket to get on this and uh, go from coast to coast. It just takes them weeks and they're all kind of stuck in this thing and it's hot and it's dirty and it's gross. And, uh, but they want to go from one place to the other and our main characters are the ones that take them but they get separated from that and are um uh taken in by basically the united nations that are keeping the north the south and and the canadians all uh nice and and playing well together during this truce and uh they're they're uh they call them the oddman now it's the office of military operations and so these two join up with them to help uh, sort of keep the peace and all kinds of shenanigans ensue from there. Um, and again, the zombies aren't the main thing. It's uh, it's more of this uh, this guy who's trying to find a way to be, you know, in charge of the whole thing. That's, you know, you see that a lot in the zombie movies where, hey, you know, I, I've got the safest place. You guys come and, and you know, uh, so they're kind of 
fighting with him. And so, so that's my first book. And I'm going to skip all the way to my, one of my most, my most recent book, which is uh, Red Gear 9, which is a, the sequel to that one. And so I've mashed a few more things together. <laughs> so we've still got the zombies sort of running around out there and they come to play a little more this time. We've got this sort of adventure novel, but we also have a spy novel that involves a Confederate spy who's been wrongly imprisoned. It has been stuck in this prison while this outbreak is going on that they don't really know for sure is true. They kind of feel like it's a, a fake a story to keep the prisoners you know, under control or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he breaks out and, and wants revenge on just about everybody. And again, things ensue that you know, uh, involve zombies and involve a lot of other things. Um, so it was kind of fun to write the sequel, but it took me forever to do that. That was uh, they, I, I got a three book contract with them after that first book. And I'm like, OK. And they said, one of them has to be a sequel. Like, OK, so I'll write the others before I write the sequel. And <laughs> I didn't know it was going to take me you know, eight years to finally get it done or whatever. So uh, so those two are I. I I love I loved writing them. There was so much, you know, doing all that research on the Civil War and that time period and, and all these great things that were going on uh, in California that I didn't even realize anything happened in California during the Civil War. Uh, and then just doing all that research. And I did some family history that um, about my relatives that were in the Civil War, and I stole some facts from their like personnel type files and their muster oh, nice. rolls and stuff. The the his in, uh, my my great great so many great grandfathers uh, like his. His, uh, his his medical history, he got shot actually in the war and survived, which is okay. odd for the Civil War because yeah. a lot of people didn't survive when they got shot. <laughs> but it was great to, to throw all that stuff together, even mash that kind of stuff up. Uh, so those two are, are, are a lot of fun and and I really enjoyed them. And, and uh, again, it was taking things from when I was a kid and saying, man, I'd love to see this in a book. Or what if we smash these two things together? It'd be a lot of fun. Um, another book that I really enjoyed is called uh, Indelible Ink. Um, and it was, I think it was the second one of mine to come out. And I, I'd started this one a while ago too. and just hadn't, I was trying to write it in the first one together and decided I can't do two books at once because that's crazy because I don't even know what I'm doing with the first one. So why try and write two, you know? <laughs> uh, but I finished it. And it is, it's sort of a crime story mixed with a sort of an urban fantasy. It's about this uh, uh, woman who's an assassin and she has sort of these powers that help her be one of the best assassins. And eventually those powers kind of sort short circuit and she realizes that maybe she doesn't want to do this so it's kind of that classic i want to get out of this sort of thing for for an assassin but uh the problem is her sister is also in the organization so how does she get out and still get her sister who doesn't have these powers out of the criminal organization and um i just had fun i mean it was it was it was really a a, a fun crime story i love elmore leonard's crimes stories and his the movies made off his books and I kind of wanted to sort of mash one of his up with, uh, with sort of a magic story. Um, but beyond yeah. that, uh, my other big one that people uh, that I have a ton of reviews on, I'm really excited about is um, it's called Sas- it's called a uh, white anvil Sasquatch onslaught. And uh, I, I was so shocked. I mean, it was one that I wrote that I really, really had fun with and just, you know, did it and like, okay, I'm just going to put Bigfoot and, you know, genetic Bigfoot's big feet Sasquatches um, <laughs> into the story, and I'm going to have fun with it. And and it's it's a story that's told from a couple different points of view, but it takes place in sort of the uh, the Canadian mountains where there's a secret um, American prison where they keep. Uh, they not only keep some really high tech uh, criminals, the, the people that, you know, do those, the hackings you always hear about the people that be hacked the Pentagon or whoever, you know, the people who really have done some serious cyber crimes. So they keep them in this prison where there's not 
There's no Wi-Fi. There's very little, you know, there's very little in, in the way of technology that they can do anything about. But the other half of the prison, they do some uh, seriously, un, uh, I don't know, uh, some seriously unusual uh, experiments on these creatures. They're, they're looking for cryptids and, and trying to, you know, figure out uh, what makes them tick and how the government can use them. And uh, they sort of reprogram these Sasquatch. But um, at the time, there's a storm sort of coming in. So like, we got to get a bunch of, you know, we're going to get these criminals out to this trial they've got to go to. And there's some hikers who are kind of stranded in the storm. And there's soldiers that are, you know, watching these. So they all get on this train to get out of here before the storm hits. And the train derails and sets these genetically modified uh, uh, Sasquatches out there. You've got some criminals running around who are pretty desperate to get out of their situation. And then you have some hikers who have no clue what's going on and, and a few soldiers that manage to survive. And sort of the train falls down two sides of a hill and you've got half the people on one side and half on the other. And they just got to stay alive until the storm's over or help can get to them. And uh, it was just, it's a great survival story that just, you know, throws everything at these poor people that were on the train. You know, you've, you've got to watch your back for everybody. And, and again, this is another one that I thought for me as a writer was a blast to write. So I'm glad yeah, you sounds, enjoyed it. That sounds wild. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Dakota here has uh, written uh, some book. You want, you want to talk about that? Dakota? Oh, sure, man. oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I have a self-published book that I self-published uh, last year, almost yeah. uh, about a year ago. Yeah. It was on uh, June 30th of 2020. Yeah, it's uh, it's a sci-fi book as well. It's uh, called Barnard's Galaxy: Descendants of Legacy, and it uh, follows two alien species, just kind of going through the history until they meet up with each other and uh, war ensues and just kind of all stuff. But yeah, it's uh, it originally uh, started off as a video game idea with some friends, and it kind of fell through. But I already had so much written down that it was like, well, start keep writing, turn into a book, and yeah, I mean. It's been, it's been fun. I need to get back on it. Um, yeah. I have I have four other ones already written that just need to be edited and whatnot before getting out there. But yeah, cool. yeah, it was a fun time. I'm sitting here listening to you talk about that. I'm like, man, <laughs> how do you how do you come up with all those ideas? Like, what's your creative process like? Oh man. Um, for, well, first of all, I I you know I've got a bunch of you know ideas for for space travel. I mean, I love Star Wars and I love Star Trek, and I've got all these ideas. But I, you know, I've only written one book in space, and that was for another publisher, and it was like sort of their own property and mm -hmm. i don't know why i haven't made it to space yet you know I, those are the books that i really love but i've, I've had so much yeah. fun with the ones i've done uh my, my creative process it really you know it's all over the place as far as you know how i get something started um most of them start with sort of a just an image i might get from somewhere just something that gets stuck in my mind and i'm like okay you know there's i, I had a, this image of a guy sort of uh cocking this pistol an old school pistol for a long time and that ended up being uh, a scene in in Oddman Out, my my first book, but it just I kept seeing that same thing, just this, nothing else around it, just yeah. you know, clicking that gun, and it just sort of extrapolated from there. Like I said, the short stories uh, I started off with, and then you know, I I, I I I I wanted to figure out how to expand that. It happened with two of my short stories, and I expanded them into novels. But it's it's sort of finding that that in on on where to take that little image or that little idea or that character that mm -hmm. you love and and uh, expand it enough to make it a novel. You know, because right. there's been a few ideas where you get to like, unfortunately, you get to like 15 or 20,000 words. You're like, what is this person going to do? You know, what are they really, <laughs> what, what's the real yeah. story? And is this going to work? And unfortunately, sometimes it doesn't. But um, 
you know, uh, originally, like I said, my first couple of novels, I really flailed around on, and it took me a couple of years to write each one of them, mm -hmm. uh, if not a little bit more, and then, you know, all the editing and stuff. But I, I've slowly gotten a little more organized. You know, I, I've gone to, you know, uh, conferences and and sort of learned people's, you know, outlining techniques, which I, I hate an outline. I love the, you know, the argument of plotters versus pantsers, yeah. you know what that is? You know, so pantsers just sit down and, and just go for it and just write and, you know, you do it. And then plotters are the people who sit down and really map it out That's and storyboard. Yeah, really storyboard it really, you know, and uh, I was firmly in the pantsers thing because I just want to sit down and go. That's how I am. <laughs> yeah. And that was fine for me. But when I started to do a little bit of an outline, even a small mm -hmm. outline, I started getting a lot faster at writing. It took me six months rather than 12 or, or 15 mm -hmm. months or whatever. Okay. And, uh, and so at these conferences, you know, I, I just sort of learned some of these secrets that, you know, friends of mine that went to uh, college and got the MFA for writing, or, you know, uh, a lot of people I know went to Seton Hill University and they have a popular fiction program where you can learn to write a sci-fi novel. You can get a degree yeah. in writing sci-fi or whatever. Um, yeah, which I don't I don't know if I could do that. I wasn't good in school anyway. So <laughs> to sit down and have someone tell me how to write sci-fi. It sounds great, but I don't know if I could do it, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, and so the novel that I was talking about uh, that I the only space when I've done is I wrote a continuation of an Edgar Rice Burroughs series that uh, for the Edgar Rice Burroughs Inc., their, their publisher. And to do it, you know, they had all these copyrighted characters and they had all these, you know, trademarks that I had to make sure I didn't step on. I didn't kill the characters that they didn't want me to kill and all that fun stuff. So I had to turn in a very detailed outline. And I was listening to this other guy. We're, it's, it's a, right now, it's a four-book series uh, to, with all these old Edgar Rice Burroughs characters. Um, the guy after me, the guy whose book was coming after me, was on, online or whatever, and told, it said that his outline for his book was like 14,000 words. And I said, holy cow, mine's like, you know. 200 so or something crazy like that they really wanted a detailed outline you know I, and i just sat down I'm like i can't do that but i sat down and i started really figuring it out and you know when i was done and i got these details that had to be in there and that they wanted to, from the, the publisher wanted um i ended up with almost thirteen thousand words Dang. which for a book they wanted to be about seventy thousand words for me, that it was almost written. You know, I right. once I, I got all that approved, it was really just connecting the dots and in, in in that outline. You know, mm -hmm. to have thirteen thousand words, and then I just sort of needed the transitions and you know things like that. And and once we approved that, I, I had to have it done in three months. And I was you know wasn't sure I was going to make it, but with that much you know down on paper already from start to finish, from the very to the very last scene it really helped me speed through that. That's so I'm, I'm sitting somewhere between being a, a plotter and a pantser at this point. I, I like yes. the freedom of just going for it, but to, to have a deadline and to, and, and to uh, know where I'm going, it's so right. much better, you know, for, for me to have that outline, even if it's a minimal one. So, okay. you know, so, so yeah, so I started doing that. But another part of my process is, I'll take my characters and I'll go online and find actors that look like those characters, or they might be in a scene that I think that character might have that expression, not necessarily thinking who's going to play them in the movie someday, you know, mm -hmm. but <laughs> who looks really looks like this character. And I download and I make a, 
a world Bible, a story Bible, they call it or whatever, where I'll have a page that's here's the main character, here's what he looks like, here's his name, here's where he's from, here's the important things that happened to him in the story. And then here's the, you know, the next character and the next character. And I'll I'll right. download what is his, you know, what 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 does the uh the house look like where this takes place, or what is, you know, the castle or whatever, or whatever gives me the vibe of that thing, and I'll put him into that things so into that story bible and pdf or whatever so that way if i'm halfway through it and i forget a character's name for one thing i've got them all written down somewhere and i don't have to go back to the manuscript because it happens all the time but also if they're there i can kind of if i'm writing a scene from that guy's point of view or that guy's in that scene and i'm having trouble with it i can flip back to that page and say okay all right this is the guy this is what i'm thinking of him and this is you know his thing and here's his uh here's his point of view more or less or what here's his goal and you know here's his obstacles or whatever and when i've got that document sometimes i print it out i'll put it on the wall in front of me here but usually i keep it in pdf and just switch screens uh, or i'll put them up on one screen and have the document on the other but just so i can if i'm if i'm not feeling it like i'm in that space i've got that over there that i can jump right back into it so that that's a big part of my process yeah, it's, it's it's good to have a uh, lay down a solid foundation and kind of help plug plug the way. And uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely I'm sure how a lot of RPGs and games are made and things like oh, that yeah. to yeah. keep track of all that stuff. Sure, um, I mean, especially if you got like a lot of races or you have a lot of characters or whatever, uh, yeah. or you have multiple points of view, it's it's really good to have that and have their sort of quirks right there or their specific armor or the specific weapon just so you know what they mm -hmm. use like that and you're not like accidentally giving them a you know a sword when they normally have a, a gun or whatever yeah you know, it's, it's just helpful <laughs> to remind you that you know so i bet you're right yeah. what um out of your your books which one of them would you 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 say is your absolute baby that you like die hard want a movie made out of it <laughs> Uh, you know, what's really, what's funny about that is that my favorite one is probably the one that's probably hasn't sold the best and has the least reviews. It's a book called The Shadow Beneath the Waves, which is sort of a, 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 a war story or after a war where um, they were using these sort of mechs. They were using, you know, giant uh, human controlled sort of robots, uh, more like mechs than anything else. And it ends up being sort of the, 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 the big part of the movie is a fight between or the story, excuse me, it's not a movie uh, of the story yeah. is, uh, is the mech versus a kaiju. You know, it's got this, uh, uh, it turns out that it's, it, it, you know, that we find this sort of tape and it sort of trapped this, uh, we find records that it trapped this kaiju and these explorers who, you know, are basically just treasure hunters looking for, you know, to make some money, find the, the mech and uh, accidentally start it again. And it releases the creature. So uh, I loved writing this book. It was so much fun. I don't know if you know, uh, Clive Cussler, the, the writer, he writes a lot of action adventure treasure hunting stuff and uh that's a big a big writer my my dad loves and and i i like him too he's, he's just a fun uh uh time to see these guys there was a uh movie made of it uh with uh not brad pitt it was matthew mcconaughey uh i can't remember the name of it but uh it was a gold? few years ago what's that bulls gold I thought it could be it had him and penelope and miller and just it was a terrific cast, but it just didn't do well. But uh, it was it was just one where you know a treasure hunting type movie. And I loved you know just the pacing of it and the characters of it and, and things like that. How can you not like Matthew McConaughey? Um, but so combining that again, mashing some things together, you know, I love 
you know, Godzilla, I love uh, mechs and, you know, uh, uh, Pacific Rim and things like that. Yeah. Why not smash some things together there and see how a treasure hunting movie can, or book? You got me thinking it's going to be a movie. <laughs> how a treasure hunting book uh, can, you know, can go awry or how treasure hunters can, you know, innocently be looking for treasure and somehow screw something up really royally and, uh, and have to try and make it right. So uh, getting to do all that and, and make up my own sort of monster and uh, my own uh, mech and all these other uh, fun things. Uh, it, it was uh, it was another one of those that I enjoy writing. And I think that's the key. I think, you know, I've said that for a couple of books now, but there aren't very many books that I've stuck with that I've said, man, I'm getting really bored writing this book or man, I don't know where this is going to go. So, I, you know, I don't know if I'd have written quite as much as I've written if they weren't so much fun to write, you know, if they weren't a blast. Uh, so it's, um, it's something I, you know, I plan on doing for quite a while, as long as I'm still having fun with it, you know? Yep. That, yeah. That's key. I mean, staying <laughs> happy is what keeps it going. So right, for sure. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. Oh, I thought you were going to ask something to cut. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what were you? Um, I was just going to ask because, so like if, if uh, let's just say in, an, in another world, if um, the writing stuff didn't take off for you, what, what would you see yourself doing? Man, I, you know, I, the reason I kind of got out of radio was that it was, you know, all of the stations and all of the corporations were being, you know, grabbed up by bigger corporations and things like that. I worked for this. So I went back to my hometown and I got in this radio station. It was one radio station playing oldies and it was owned by this, you know, this one guy or maybe his group of, of people. And he basically, he owned the radio station and he owned a furniture store. Right. <laughs> so uh, in the three and a half years that I worked or thereabouts worked at that station, we were bought like four times, three, three or four times, probably, <laughs> you know, another bigger local group bought us and then like J core and then clear channel. And it was like, and then they started scaling it back and, and trying to change things. And it just wasn't fun anymore. It wasn't, uh, it just wasn't collaborative. It wasn't as creative anymore. And I just didn't want to keep trying to do that, but coming back and doing podcasts and, and being able to sort of be my own boss. I'm working with a, a podcast group, but being able to do the things I want to do and talk to the people that I think are exciting and interesting and have something to say um, is a lot of fun. So I, if I wasn't writing, I might've found a way to either get back into radio or, or some other storytelling or, 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 yeah. you know, so, something like that, where I, I get to talk to people that are you know, interesting rather than, you know, some of the, some of the stories you have to cover in, in news are not quite as interesting. Uh, I, don't know if ever, I don't know if I get back into journalism though. I mean, as much as it's taken a beating over the last yeah. you know few years uh, yeah. it's rough. And I know some people that are still in there. I'm like, man, I just, I couldn't do that day to day. Not just, you know, not so, just them getting this sort of weird rep reputation as, you know, lying and, or whatever people see them as, but it's some of the news stories in the past, you know, since I've been out of there, are just so rough that I just don't see how to handle those as a, yeah. as a reporter, or as a person, you know, how you go home and go, okay, done with that. I'll just, <laughs> I'll move on and watch the Netflix, you know, it's time to watch the good place. I, I don't know, yeah. but I, I would still be somehow involved in storytelling, whether it's teaching people uh, or, you know, involved in like this, like vocal podcasting or, or, or even a different sort of media in voiceovers or whatever, I think. Sweet. Should definitely look into uh, writing for like a game. Like, I mean, yeah, between the fact that <laughs> you go from killer sharks, Godzilla's, <laughs> yeah. Elvis, Bigfoot's, yeah, I mean, you, you got right. it all. 
Yeah, yeah, it's all in there somewhere, man. You know, and that's uh, yeah, that was from the uh, uh, Killer Sharks, uh, Elvis, and uh, and Bigfoot, and all that. We're all in like the first thing that I self-published of poetry, and then another little publisher said, "Hey, I want to publish that for you," uh, which was so much fun, and it was also at a time when self-publishing wasn't quite as easy. So mm-hmm. you kind of had to do it all yourself. And I went to the local printer and said, print these for me. And somebody, you know, <laughs> figured out how to make a uh, PDF out of it or make, make a, an ebook out of it. And uh, it was mainly selling it convention to convention out of my trunk, you know, or whatever you want to call it. And eventually I handed it to a, someone else said, Hey, you should read this guy's poetry. And he was a, a small publisher really close to here out of Dayton. He said, man, I'd really like to put this. I'd like to redo this a little bit and, and sell it for you. And I said, go right ahead and kind of kind of went from there yeah i uh and a a poem out of there uh was nominated for some awards uh the the name of the poem originally was uh the night godzilla dumped his chick um and the when it got published the editor was like hey do you mind if we change the title to uh godzilla's other half i think is what we changed it to and i was i really had to think about it because i thought <laughs> the night godzilla dumped his chick was perfect but uh but the, we we changed it and then it got put up for an award didn't win but it, uh uh but it, it did get nominated and uh the funny thing is uh i also nominated in that same category that same year was neil gaiman uh because he had mm-hmm. some poem out for something and i look back i'm like all right I'm going to get beat by Neil Gaiman and uh, he didn't win either. So I can say successfully that Neil Gaiman did, did not get a, an award over, over me. It was so, somebody else won, but, uh, but we were both in the losers bracket. So that was kind of nice. <laughs> not bad. Not bad at all. Right. right. So I don't know if I can put that on my wall or anything, but or there's my t-shirt right there. Hey man, we'll, we'll make it for you. We'll, we'll, we'll get you the whole plaque and all. There's, there's my, Neil Gaiman ain't my, better than me. There's my t-shirt just says I lost with Neil Gaiman. <laughs> no explanation whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so what are your uh, current and future projects looking like, or what do you, what do you got going on? Yeah. Like, coming up. Uh, the pandemic has really kind of, you know, slowed me down. Uh, the, the the book that I was talking about, this thing for um, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, Inc., uh, mm-hmm. we were going to launch it in April of last year at WonderCon or, you know, we're going to do some stuff with some Comic-Cons and literally like uh, WonderCon, I think, went decided not to go like two weeks before and they said they're just canceling it. And uh, all of our backup cons to launch this, this book uh, also evaporated pretty quickly. So um, this year, I'm finally getting to go out and, and sort of, I've been to one con so far just this past weekend to promote it, uh, which was a really good reception to it. But so I'm at home trying to figure out my next project and I'm trying to write and trying to figure things out. And uh, I, I've got both my kids at home and um, eventually my wife is at home. So our bandwidth at home is very narrow, but uh, and our space is very narrow. And uh, with my wife having her, you know, her day job, I'm like, I, I, I have time to write, but I'm also like, I'm, I'm policing the internet to make sure the kids are on, on doing their schoolwork. I'm, uh, if the internet goes down, I'm the tech, I'm doing lunches, I'm doing dinners, I'm the hall monitor, I'm the bathroom monitor, you know, and it's uh, a little bit of everything and writing really kind of slowed down. But this idea I had for a long time, and I'm almost done with it and i don't have a publisher for it yet uh but i I finally finished it and like i said i've been really going a lot quicker with my writing but this one has taken you know almost you know the the pandemic so far of a year plus to really get it to work um it's a mashup of the wizard of oz and uh a little bit of, of apocalypse now 
which you can see how those go together, uh, obviously. Yeah, uh, totally. <laughs> um, so I'm expecting <laughs> like some zombie munchkins. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe uh, something along that lines, actually. But um, which? Yeah, I, I, I'm excited about that. It's it's just it's so weird, but it, I think it works. Um, it also has a little bit of the Island of Dr. Moreau thrown in there. So nice. So at this point, I don't even know if it's a mashup. It's just it's just a bunch of stuff I dumped in a bucket and started <laughs> typing, you know. Um, and uh, so I'm almost done with that. Uh, I, I've edited. I've just been the ending is bugging me, so I've been rewriting that. Um, and I don't know what's next after that. I you know for the first time since I started getting a, getting books published, I, I don't have a book that's under contract. You know, so uh, we'll see what happens next. We'll see who uh, might want this weird mashup of a book. And I've I've got a bunch of ideas beyond that. It's just uh, my kids go back to school this week, so hopefully that'll do something for my get some, uh, get some time for yourself. Right, <laughs> right, and hopefully it'll you know give me the motivation and the time to just go and do it. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what's next. I, like I said, I got no shortage of ideas. I just, I just got that time to sit it down and do it. Uh, I'm always happy to mash something else up. For sure. I mean, it definitely sounds like you, you have like an endless stream of, of like <laughs> creativity going on in, in your mind. So that that's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. I certainly look forward to checking out some of these books and Thanks. all that. So. Yeah, um, but yeah, to, man, you need I, to get on like like a like a own call line for other writers. Like when they get writer's block, just give you a call. I can't just figure like, out what to do with this elf. <laughs> what do I do right Kill here? Him. Just, yeah, <laughs> Kill him. get rid of him. Just, just throw 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 a ninja in there and and, uh, and have him just you know start slicing throats and run away. You know that that, that solves every problem. Oh, perfect. Uh, Thanks. I'm gonna do that. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what dollar ninety nine a minute or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or dollar ninety nine an idea. I don't know which which would be more. Uh, but, you know, so I go to cons and I do stuff like that, like, you know, going in and giving presentations about writer's block and stuff like that. And, you know, I have I had a friend that came to me and like a couple him and another friend came and said, hey, if we buy you dinner, can you help us figure this out? And, and so they're new to writing and just wanted to pick my brain. And so, you know, that's not a, a terrible idea. You know, that's yeah. our next shirt. We'll have one eight hundred, whatever the idea, you know, whatever the, <laughs> the back of my shirts now, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get you a Fiverr account. You know, you just yeah. have to that's right yeah or uh uh etsy give me an etsy account and we'll just start selling uh selling shirts you want to write follow me come with me if you want to write (laughs) come with me if you want to write (laughs) do you happen to have any uh words of wisdom for fellow aspiring writers well, you know, I, I, I get asked that a lot, you know, when I, when, when I get interviews and my, you know, there's two things that I, I try and tell, you know, newer writers or, or people who are thinking about it. And, you know, first of all, it's just to read whatever you can get your hands on, you know, read, if you're writing sci-fi, read as much sci-fi as you can, but also read some other genres to see if maybe they're doing something that you can use in your work. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying if you write, you know, uh, slasher horror that you need to go out and start reading romances to see if maybe there's a little something that can spice it up, but you know, maybe there's something else in sci-fi if you're writing uh, horror that a trope or, or, you know, something that other people are doing that might sort of inform your work or give you an idea. Um, when I was really writing sci-fi, there's a, a, a book out there called how to write uh, the paranormal novel or something like that. I forget. I, f- I think that's the title. And I picked it up just, just looking for writer's advice. And it was one of the best uh, things I found just to write 
in general. It, it had so many good ideas about how to organize yourself, how to how to you know work on your dialogue and all these other things. So some of those books can be kind of cheesy, how to write this or how to write that, or can you know are really just setting you up to to buy one of their books or to buy right. their course or to buy their workbook. Um, but check some out of the library and see which ones sort of speak to you and then maybe buy it if you really like it or, or you know, yeah. get it from the library and check it out, you know, read it. Uh, so that's one of the big things is just read as much as you can um, in your genre and a few others. Um, and the other one, I talked so much, I think I've already forgotten. So let's see. Uh, <laughs> read as much as you can. What was the original question? Oh, advice for writers. Um, you know, take your time when you're, when you're getting into it. I mean, you may find out that you have to be that plotter. You may find out that you have to be that guy or, or that woman that maps everything out and knows what's going to happen. Mm. Or you may be like us and say, hey, I'm going to write this book and it, it's going to take me a couple of years maybe, but I'm getting the idea out on my own. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe if I had to throw another one there, is, is the thing that really helped me get started was joining a writing group and whether, um, you know, cause we, you can join one that's like, if you're a sci-fi writer, you can, you can have all sci-fi writers or you can do what we did is we just kind of, everybody came together. We had travel writers, we had romance, we had mystery, and we all just sort of learned everything together. And I, I think if I hadn't been in that group and stayed with it for so long, I stayed with it. I, I led it for about 10 years, 11 years, and they're still going. So it's been, uh, I think we just celebrated 21 years. So, um, and they're still, you know, they're all doing great things. I just, with the kids and the writing and everything else, I just don't have time to go to every meeting anymore, but they have started their own publication companies. They've started, you know, they've got magazines out there, uh, articles out nice. there. They've done a lot of great things. And like I said, they were really a great motivation motivation. If you find the right people, you may find the wrong people and it'll be demotivational, but these people were so supportive and so on top of it, not afraid to tell you if something sucked or if something was great so that you could go home and really, really work on it. Yeah. So that, that is something I would always tell somebody, if you can find, even if it's just a partner to, to, to bounce things off of, or, you know, an online group that you all meet just like this. Um, you know, when we started, we really didn't have zoom or anything it probably could have helped us out or could help out any other writer that yeah. you know you could email them your your uh your book or your short story and then you could all get together on zoom and and talk about what you liked and didn't like and uh certainly if you've got those honest people that are really going to give it to you straight uh it, it can do nothing but make your work better yeah, yeah for sure that's so key. you need you need somebody and then number 53 that. on my list of things that you need to know <laughs> No, really, those are some things that we always talk about. It's, and I think those really helped me and have helped a lot of other writers just, you know, figure everything out. No, for sure. And I mean, it, it shows up. You, you're making great, great strides in your work. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm making it. <laughs> weird stuff daily. Hey, Absolutely. People love weird stuff. <laughs> That's right. I'm finding that out. I am finding that out. It took a while to figure it out. But but at this point, I, I am finding no lack of people that dig weird stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's been absolutely awesome talking to you. It has yeah, been, been great. great, great to hear like your 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 procedure, your flow and how, how you make it all go together and just uh the crazy mind at work <laughs> that you got going on there. Thanks. Thanks. So, I, I appreciate I mean, you having me. I, I really enjoyed talking. I feel like I talk too much. So uh, oh, no, not good. at all. Don't worry. That's it's what, good. All right. It's good. That's, what, that's what we have these for to hear, to hear the guests <laughs> talk and tell us about everything. So right. it's cool. So uh, with that said, everyone stay mindless, stay mindless.
Thank you for listening to the Mindless Morning Show. We appreciate you picking us out of the many great podcasts out there. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit that little bell to get notified whenever we release a new episode or bonus content. Now go enjoy the rest of your mindless day.